0: Hi, I'm Michael. Welcome to the Philosophy Club. We're a group of lifelong friends digging into some of life's most interesting and biggest questions. We hope you enjoy.
1: Let's do it. All right, Logan. Care to introduce us to our next topic?
2: Uh, yeah. What makes a good gift? And uh, are gifts a good thing?
1: Are we talking about like physical me giving you something, or like a gift, like a talent?
2: Oh, I was uh, like definitely a like gift, like present, like an exchange for one person to another around like Christmas or birthdays or whatever crap holidays here. Are
1: gifts a good thing?
0: I think. I'm gonna jump in with a not controversial opinion at all and think that
1: gifts are a good thing. Um, Whoa, well, slow down there, Michael.
0: Yeah, um, the, they certainly have. I think they might not.
2: The because I thought it was more obvious than it is, I guess. But the um, the standard like economist view of gift giving is that it's always suboptimal because the person who knows most. The thing that will give, or best, the thing that will give them the most utility is that person. So whenever someone else buys someone a gift, they're going to pick something that's a suboptimal utility. And then it's probably going to be reciprocated. So then both people spending the same amount of money as they otherwise might have on themselves get worse things. Um, in my mind, they completely miss the point of gift giving. Uh, and I also am not sure I'm willing to accept that I know best what things give me the most utility. I'm actually not a great judge of that. I think to some extent, but not maybe not the best. So yeah, I generally think that gifts are a good thing. But that is the counterargument: is like you could buy yourself something better yourself.
0: You know yourself. Nice. Okay, so I yeah I agree um with you that yes that's kind of the point of gift, gift giving, and also. I think that even if I may know what's what I like best better than another person or what I would like best in a situation, I think that there is an additional value and and I can kind of expand this because I think it shows up in other areas as well. There's an additional value to like the surprise of something that I didn't personally plan. Um, being, being and me getting some value out of that thing. So like, yeah, like even if... Say, I don't know, like if, I, if I'm if i getting a pair of shoes as a gift for Christmas or something, um, even if I would have picked out the exact same pair of shoes, having like not asked for them and receiving them anyways, there's something very like fun about that. I think there is some weird yeah. additional little value there. And I don't know that I can put a word behind it, but there is a value to that. And to me, it's a similar value to... I I've, I've used this example before in totally other situations. But like when you're back in the days of cable when like you're flipping through the channels, a movie you love happens to be on TV or coming on and you get to it, that's also I think better than if I had put in the D V D. Yeah. or like because because something about the surprise of it. Yeah. Something, yeah, agreed. Yeah. Something about the surprise of it adds a little value for something.
1: Yeah, you brought this up in the last meeting, and I'm completely baffled by that. Like the fact that you would just like go on TV and not know what you're going to watch and just stumble upon something. Absolutely, You never did that back in the days of cable? Well, yeah, when I didn't have any other choice, I did that. And then as soon as I got another choice, I have never done it.
0: Yeah, it's not okay, but presumably you always had, I mean, maybe you didn't, but you did have like VHS tapes and DVDs lying around your house that you could have watched instead of flipping
1: through the channels. Mm. Yeah, but I'd, I'd already seen those most of the time numerous times.
0: Yeah, but sometimes well, the, the the scenario I'm presenting is one in which flipping through the channels, I may even stumble across a movie I have seen multiple times. And it's still better than if I had chosen to put on that DVD.
1: And Logan, you, you're the same way?
2: Well, yeah. I, or even think of it this way is like I still listen to the radio in the car, not as much as Mike, but not zero. And if I hear a song that I like remotely am familiar with and kind of like on the radio I'm singing along I'm having a great time whereas like it might not even be in any of my like Spotify like regular playlists
0: that I go to Ben just what so right. We're going to work it out for you in terms of a gift do you do you feel like if you're gifted a, a pair of shoes for instance that you would have otherwise bought it's it's better in some way
1: well so I do want to lay uh, a caveat to anything I'll say in this conversation do you guys know like the the five love languages
0: yeah, I think so. I'm vaguely kind of aware of it, but yeah. Gift giving
2: words of appreciation. Um performing services, isn't
1: it? Um gift giving, access service, words of appreciation, quality time, and physical touch.
2: <clears throat>
1: so it's this it's agree with it or not, it's this concept from a guy named Gary Chapman about you know, everyone has a different way they give and receive love. And in taking this test, I am like literally a zero on gift giving. So I've never been a huge fan of getting gifts and giving gifts stresses me out. So... Well, giving gifts... Say that again?
2: I agree that giving gifts are very stressful. Um, But I don't gotten a gift. So you're like, man, that that was a really good gift. Well done.
1: I... I do appreciate the thought of gifts and that it, it indicates that someone cares about me. I'm not sure I've ever gotten a gift that, like, surprised me in a way that I, I use it. Really? Yeah. At least not since I've been, like, an
0: adult. There's never been anything you're like, oh, I would have never thought to get this. Um, What a cool thing that you got for me, and now I use it all the time. Like, classes off of my head, no. I got a gag gift, like a stocking stuffer once, Um, a little, like one of those sleep masks, like with the elastic band that goes around your head and you put it over your eyes. Um, And it was like, it was a gag because it said like Sleeping Beauty on it or something like that. Um, And I used that thing for a certain period of time, like every single day. I mean, I was working nights and so I was often like sleeping until like right. the afternoon. So it was helpful, like practically speaking. But a certain I would have never even thought to buy for myself. Um, yeah. And it was terrific. Uh, it was a wonderful gift because it was something, yeah, again, like it. I don't know. Um, and I think even if I were the sort of thing I had thought to buy for myself, I would have appreciated getting it as a gift more than if I had just bought it myself.
1: Let me throw out this example. What if every month you gave Amazon a surprise gift budget and at some point during the month, they would send you an item within your budget that they think you would like. Would that mean anything to you? Would that be better than having received the item or purchasing the item yourself? Because that would give you the surprise element.
0: It's kind of a fun concept. It's much less fun than thinking there's a person who I knows.
1: So are those two separate goods then the, the utility of, of knowing someone cares about you and also the surprise?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'd have to say that it comes, yeah, it's, uh, a- it's not like a game with Amazon, it's kind of like a game with other people,
1: I don't know. How so? Well,
2: there's, like, an additional level of interaction, and you can be like, you can be like, wow, that was really well done.
0: I would feel silly telling Amazon that that was really well done. Because uh, like, a good a good gift kind of demonstrates a certain like degree of knowledge of what someone's life is like and what the sort of things they'll get some use out of, um, which is in part why it's like so difficult to get a good gift for someone you don't know very. Much. Like I don't know if you guys have ever been part of like a large group like Secret Santa or anything like that. Um, but if you get like if you pull the name of like someone in a group who you are less familiar with, it's much harder to give like a a good gift or like a meaningful gift just because like I mean. I know some vague generalities of what this person's life is like, but, um, and I might get lucky in picking something, but like, it doesn't seem it's much harder to, to pick something out. Yeah. Um, do you know
2: anyone who's a particularly good gift giver?
1: Well, because of the caveat I already laid out, I'm going to pass that question.
2: Ben has never received... Ben, ben in his tragic life has never received a good gift. and
1: so I've received both, like, great gifts. I just goes. I don't appreciate the art of gifts in the same way it sounds like you all do.
2: Wait, what, what's one of these great gifts?
1: Uh, oh, when we were kids, we got a trip to Disney World. That was a great gift. And our parents did like a little like a little scavenger hunt. We had to go find out that we were going to Disney World. Good gift. Oh, that's really fun. That's a fun gift.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, what made that gift good?
1: The surprise and that there was like, honestly, like what made that gift good was a little scavenger hunt they did. So there was like a fun element mm-hmm. to even get to the gift. You had to do like a puzzle. That was cool.
0: Like a, yeah, a little game with a reward at the
1: end. hmm Yeah. Which, much to my parents' chagrin, I think I remember that aspect of the gift more than I remember the actual trip to Disney World. They could have saved a shit ton of money if they'd just, like, made me do a puzzle for a different gift.
0: Yeah, well, but I bet I bet a big part of the, like, the idea of going to Disney World, particularly for kids of a certain age, I think elicits a degree of excitement um, that would be hard to replicate with, like, I don't know if the surprise was, like, a... Like a, I don't know, Jack in the Box or something. there are socks. Nice. <laughs> this is.
2: This uh, is. I think this illustrates like a. I think that this has some of the, the real principles of like what makes a great gift a great gift. Like it's got the surprise aspect because you weren't expecting right. the Disney World thing. It's got. It's also at least somewhat tailored to you. One like Disney World like you were obviously excited. But two, like, the puzzle game thing seems right up your alley. Um, and even if that weren't, like, intentionally tailored to you and your siblings, like, it, it's something that you enjoy more than, like, other people would.
0: I don't know. So, um, yeah, so to speak to that, like, I had an ex, uh, I have an ex who, around Christmas, she told me that she, like, she and her sisters would tell each other like just exactly what they wanted for Christmas um like the exact item like the color the size like the exact particular thing they wanted um and then they would just each get each other that particular thing and to me like that was just so much less fun like they still there's the the uh the gift is still <laughs> um like the gift is still being given and it's still something that they want. But because the person has, like, specifically selected it themselves, there there's an element that is lost there. Um, Whereas, like, even within my own family, like, when my family around the holidays or, like, you know, whatever aspect, what do you want? da da da, da. Like, I... That's my least favorite part of it is having to, like, tell them what I want. So I usually try and come up with, like, a, a list of things that are kind of vague. Um huh. So that, like, that's a nice, like, direction to go. But... Yeah, you never did like Christmas list, but well, I guess no, did like, Christmas sort of list. Bad. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but and it, even as a kid, like it, like I remember, like said you know you get the little catalog from like Walmart or Target or whatever, and we would go through, we'd like circle things. But the idea was always like we made it such a long list that you're not getting everything, so there's some surprise like which things you get. And then also, my parents would always end up picking some things that were not on the list at all. You know, quite often those were the best things. Mm. Um, so, um. You can so
2: this makes me like now I'm thinking surprise is more and more an important aspect because like one I I was like in middle school I think and I wanted the Beatles rock band for Wii because we had we had a Wii or whatnot I just really wanted the Beatles rock band uh game um and my I had broadcasted this very early and my parents had said that like oh yes yeah, yeah I'm sorry like they just don't what it wasn't in the cards blah 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 we're just not getting it this year. Uh, can you think of anything else? And yada yada yada. But then they eventually gave gave me that exact thing, and so I remember it being just absolutely ecstatic. Like it was just a great day, and it wasn't. And it wasn't even like it wasn't. Uh, and like I had picked the gift myself. It was the fact that they had been able to just make me think that I wasn't getting it added a tremendous amount to that to that gift. I don't know. So yeah, I it sounds so like emotional it, manipulation. Huh?
0: It just sounds like emotional manipulation.
2: But I really enjoyed it. It was
0: super fun. Yeah, and that's also, I mean, I think part of the reason we, like, wrap gifts, um, like, you you don't go up to, like, you, you don't, like, Christmas Eve have a tree with just, like, all the things, like, clearly laid out so, like, you know exactly what you're getting, like, who's getting what the next day. Like, that's, it, like, that even the idea of that is so preposterous that, like, uh, because the fun, part of the fun of a gift is... The like unveiling, the surprise, the like learning what it is, the, yeah, the, the, the going from not knowing to is, is part of the fun. Um, so you're getting something that you weren't totally expected. I think, yeah, that is a crucial element of a good gift.
1: Yeah. All right. So I very much, I, I think i very much agree with that, but this place I'm going to take a next sounds preposterous. What if instead of like getting gifts on Christmas or your birthday, there was a two week buffer in either direction where randomly you would get those gifts on a, on a random day in that range more like like you would offer. Well, Hanukkahs, there's still like a set number of days you're getting gifts. Yeah. It seems like adding additional temporal surprise should make this that much better, but that just sounds ridiculous.
2: Okay. I've got a different way of thinking about that. Uh, this is really dark, but it's a similar scenario. Um, so in Dostoevsky's novel The Idiot early on uh, one of the characters they're they're talking about executions because Russia in the time didn't have like public executions but France still did and this guy had spent a lot of time in France and he so they're asking him about watching public executions like yeah I did see one and it was like and he was looking at the prisoner and they took him up the guillotine and they took the bag off his head and they cut his head off and he's like the unendurable part if I were in that prisoner situation, the unendurable part of that would be knowing exactly when I was going to die. To know 15 minutes beforehand, I'm going to die in 15 minutes. And then to know like 10 minutes beforehand, I'm going to die in 10 minutes. And then to know like moments as you're stepping up the ladder, like I'm about to die here. And then they take the bag off of your head and, like I'm really about to die. And he's like the last, the very last minuscule seconds of living would be so unendurably long and so filled with anticipation that that itself would be much worse than the execution itself. Similarly, knowing exactly when you're getting the gift, you build that anticipation and you know exactly how long it's going to be. And I think that actually adds to the thrill of getting the gift if you know
0: when it's going to be because you have that anticipation aspect. Um, so, do you think that exact scenario actually happened to Dostoevsky, where he was arrested and in jail, and then they told him he going to be executed, just for them to grant a stay of execution, like, literally on the firing line?
2: I think something like that, yeah. Um, but this, in this scenario, the, the character didn't was just watching an execution and watched the guy's head come off. But, yeah, Dost- I think Dostoevsky did. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Huh. Yeah. That would be brutal. I think so. Yeah,
0: I guess he know. He knows what he's talking about, didn't he? <laughs> um, I think I agree with you. Yeah, that the anticipation, just like Ben, with your example of the Disney World gift, part of like the obviously like it wasn't like you finished a scavenger hunt and then like were at Disney World. Um, it's that like you found oh, awesome. Which which would be awesome, actually, that's true. Oh <laughs> but it, like also you you have to find out that you were going to Disney World and then be excited about going to Disney World. Um, for that for whatever period of time.
1: Yeah, I want to I want to push back on the example Logan just gave. So it's going to be for obvious reasons impossible to create a perfect comparison. But I think if you told me at some point in the next month on a random day you're going to be executed, that would be way worse than knowing exactly when it was going to happen. Because at least if I know it's going to happen, I can theoretically enjoy the time up to the point but if I don't know what's going to happen to a gypsy anytime, I have the anxiety continuously.
2: Oh, no, I, I completely disagree with that. Because um, if I know exactly when it's going to happen, I'd be counting the breaths until it happens. Whereas if I don't know exactly, I can't do that, and so I'm not, I wouldn't be quite so wrapped up about
0: it. Because that's also more or less the way it is now. Like, I know... In real life, yeah. I, I know sometime in the next... 80 years, Within yeah. 90 years, yeah.
2: We're we're at 100 certainty going to die. That doesn't bother me so much as like if someone were to tell me in like 52 years you're dying to from now. I don't know. That'd be worse. I think.
1: I don't think I agree with that. This could just be like a fundamental disagreement in how we view the world. I would much rather know. At least in the execution case, I would rather know when it would happen than that it could happen randomly within a range.
2: Uh. Well, the execution case is bad either way because at some point you would know, oh, fuck, it's about to happen, and then that would still be the worst part. Like, the worst part would be, like, like the last 15 minutes. It's the moments before. Yeah. I, I
1: hmm
0: i think maybe So i guess what you we could all predict we could, we could change the scenario such that like at some point in time you will be uh you know executed by a sniper unbeknownst to you within the next month, or you could say that like in exactly one month you will be executed and no one after that, that's not like the exact same scenario. um one of them you don't you don't say it coming and those. Yeah, it's just one of those things you don't see the actual, like there's no like tying of the hands and putting the bag over the head and like, all right, it's happening right now. Um, even if you didn't know, see that exact and you didn't know what day it was going to happen, still, there's still those few minutes of certainty. Um, those, because the our logos are going that those moments are the worst. Um, and I think I'd probably agree. In a scenario where it's going to happen out of nowhere, you won't see it coming. That might be better, actually.
2: Yeah, I think, I think I agree. Yeah.
1: Wait, sorry. Which side are you guys on, on that sniper example?
0: If you don't see it coming, that's better in terms of if it's a negative. So it's like, like with a gift, the anticipation is the best part, not the best part, but it's a, it's a valuable part. And so not seeing it coming, I think you lose that, um, it's just like, I guess, if you're getting executed by a sniper, not seeing it coming, you lose the anticipation of the negative, which is bad. Um, so that makes that the optimal situation. If the, if the if the anticipation is a negative anticipation, you want to limit the anticipation as much as possible. Whereas if it's a positive anticipation, maybe there's probably a limit. It was like, it's like so ridiculous. Like, it's hard to... Like, if you, oh, if you, like, got the end of your hunt. it's like, we're going to Disney World in nine months. Like, that's exciting. But then, like, the... In, intermediate time, like it's so so remote as to be hard to really appreciate the anticipation there. Um, whereas like it's like, we're going to Disney World in a week, you get a whole week of like pretty intense anticipation. Um, you know? Does that make sense? Well, I think that last week would be the same level of anticipation
1: either way. True. True. Yeah. I'm not clear why, and so, well, it's going away from death, back to the gift example. Why in the <laughs> random range framing of it like you're not waking up every day being like oh my gosh this could be the day i get the gifts
2: well because most likely it's not the
1: day you're getting the gifts true but it could be it could be but like I... most likely you're not going to win the lottery but people still play yeah but you also know when the lottery gets drawn people still play scratchers true
0: i don't know what, no, no, reward. well yeah but you know you know the result of the scratcher as soon as you scratch it well um, anyways um like it's like it's kind of like if you um say you 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 get you you go for a job up each job and they say all right we'll get back to you sometime the next month versus like all right we'll, we'll get back to you next month next Friday um there's a very different degree of anticipation like over the next month at any point in time I might get the email that says like you've got the job or you don't have the job um versus like I know Friday I'm going to find out I got the job or I didn't get the job there's a very different degree of anticipation there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, feeling it. the feeling is totally different.
0: the anticipation's
2: way more acute than if you don't know when something's going
0: to happen. But if, Unless you get all the way to the end of the month and you're like, well, I guess I'll find out today because it hasn't happened any of the previous 29 days. So they have to email me today. Um, then you're sitting there, you know, refreshing your inbox every 30 minutes. Um, true. 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 But otherwise the rest of the month, like it's just you're just gonna look down and be like, Oh good, I got an email. Here I now I know. Now I can open it and find out. Um it's it's there's yeah, it's not you don't get the anticipation of yeah, the the anxiety, positive or negative anxiety. I think I think even with a gift maybe it would be appropriate to describe it as a type of anxiety, but it's like a positive anxiety. Um interesting. and anxiousness, like an unknowing. Yeah. But yeah, you, you miss out on that. If, if the timing is is indeterminate, you, it's much less intense. Yeah. Well, it's not indeterminate. It's
1: within a range.
0: But that makes it indeterminate until so you reach the end of the range and you know that, and that it just becomes determinate.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I've never thought of this before.
1: <laughs> Still not sure. I'm not convinced that if you like summed under the anticipation curve, I'm still not convinced the definitive date would be bigger. Because, at least to me, there's no reason to start anticipating until you get reasonably close, at which point you do get an acute spike. Whereas in the random case, you just have this latent lower level of anticipation continuously that is going to ramp up as you get closer to the end of the range.
2: But it may not ramp up because it may happen... There's a fifty percent chance it happens in the first half of the range, in which case you have very low anticipation,
0: period, and then you get the thing. Like, like imagine if that's a, a good point. Uh, that's a good point. If you're at like an amusement park ride, you know those rides that take you up and then drop you, like the tower yeah. drop sort of things. If you think that there's a chance it's going to drop you while you're like ten feet off the ground, that's way less fun. Then, like knowing that you've got to get like kind of all the way up to the top, and then you're going to get dropped at some point. Like, if, if it could just randomly drop you at any point in time, it's a sixty foot tower, and you could be randomly—you're just likely to drop in the first ten feet as you are the last ten feet. That's, I don't know, much less interesting until you get to the top of the tower. Um, whereas knowing that you're going to get dropped, even though it's kind of like, oh, I could get dropped any time in the next two minutes while I'm sitting here at the top of this tower, um, yeah. you know, what's going to happen up there. Once you reach that point, you're now at like the area of anticipation or like, you're like, oh, this is going to happen here. Just like Christmas Eve, like, you know, like, oh, it's going to happen tomorrow. Like, I, it's going to happen. Um, so there's that like pent up, there's that, there's that anxious and anxiety. Whereas if you're like sometime in the month of December, I'm going to get a, a bunch of gifts. That's much less intense. Yeah, I completely agree with that.
1: Really? Sure. On the tower example, has a like, I I so I agree with the way you framed it. The the knowledge case is more intense, but that's because there's a chance, there's a good chance of the ride not being thrilling at all. Like if it drops in the first ten feet. So to there continue with that
2: example, before. um, have you ever ridden in the Griffin at um William and Mary? Not William and Mary, fucking Gardens Bush Gardens. Yeah. Um, I've not. Great ride, but the key to this ride is it's it's pretty much one big drop. But the best part about this draw of this roller coaster ride is like you come up and then you plateau and you go on a small semicircle. You can see out for a long ass way and appreciate how high you are, and you're just creeping along right there. But the very best part of the ride is right before the like ninety degree drop. You you go, you go you drop like two or three feet just enough so that everyone is facing straight down. Like your eyes are looking down at the ground and like they're like your torso, which would ordinarily be sitting upright, is now parallel with the ground below you. And you're just like it stops there for like two or three seconds, and you're like, holy fuck. And then it drops. Um and that's easily the best part of that ride and why it's so good. Like if they they could have made the ride so that it just had that semicircle thing and then just smoothly went into the fast descent. And it would not be nearly as fun because the best part of that ride is when you stop right there and you're like, and for like two or three seconds, you're like worried that like maybe I've made some horrible mistake. Um,
0: that's, and then you have the ride. Just yeah. right. so yeah. like I think it, when I, when I think back on Christmas morning, like the most exciting part of Christmas morning is like while I'm Downstairs, trying to like wait on my parents to wake up so they can come downstairs and I can start opening things. Like, like so, right up to the moment that I can, as a little kid, that like final moment of anticipation. Just I guess like if they on the opposite side, the, the execution of the person being executed. Um, like the more, most intense part is those moments where the hood is over the head and just before it's going to happen. Yeah, the, the knowing it's going to happen, basically right now, is or very very soon. That sensation, that anxiety is is valuable, whether positive or negative. It has
1: a distinct value, I think. You guys are going to hate me for saying this, but I think we have another heat problem. Because I'm thinking, like, once you get to the top of the tower... so So the problem with Michael's initial example is it's, like, you have variable intensity. Like, the ride could just end up not being intense at all if it drops too early. But if I get to the top of the tower and it stops, and I have two scenarios, either there's a countdown that tells me when it's going to drop, or at some point it's gonna drop. And I don't know when. I think the latter is way more intense.
0: So you, but you do know that it's within like a reasonable range. Like you know you're not gonna be sitting up there for an hour.
1: There's your heat. What if what what if you didn't know what the reasonable range was? Yeah. Like at some point.
0: Hey.
2: I uh, I actually think that this one has kind of a solution to it. So um okay. the like obviously you could become if you were to stop at the griffin at the top for a sufficiently long time, you'd be accustomed to that stimulus. If you were to wait there for an hour, you'd be merely uncomfortable and not excited to fall. You, um, but whether you wait there for, like, two seconds or, like, 30 seconds, I don't think actually matters that much. Um, and uh, the reason I think is is in, like, uh, thinking fast and slow... Uh, Daniel Kahneman spends like a few chapters talking about like which version of ourselves uh, you want to please. And he's like, you've got two distinct versions the person who experiences it in the moment and the person who remembers it. And the way they characterize it is different. So, for example, uh, I think I, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but the example, one of the examples he cites in the book is like, You could have person A who has their hands in ice-cold water for 30 seconds and then gets to take their hands out of the water and then rate that experience and how unpleasant it was. So it's like unpleasant because ice-cold water for that long is unpleasant, but it's not like crazy. It's not like they're going to be harmed in any real way or like experience trauma. Person B also has their whole hands held in ice-cold water for 30 seconds And then after that, they put their hands into slightly less cold, but still moderately uncomfortably cold water for 10 seconds. Um, And then take their hands out of the water. And then, so person A and person B both spent 30 full seconds in equally cold water. And then person A's experience is over after that. And then person B's experience, they get still uncomfortable, but less uncomfortable water for an additional 10 seconds or some amount of time. And then they asked both people, how bad was the experience and person a consistently or group a like said that was worse than person b like person a would be like it's like a six on an unpleasantness scale of like one to ten and like person b would be like it's like a five on unpleasantness scale of one to ten and uh Dave Kahneman goes on to talk about how that when you remember an experience you tend to remember the most acute portion uh And the last portion. So you have a bias towards both when the stimuli was the highest and you have a bias towards remembering the very last part of the stimulus. So person B remembered most clearly the slightly less uncomfortable water than person A and that like pervaded over their experience. So the point of that is like in the Griffin experience, um, it really doesn't matter so how long it is because the way you'll remember it is like the height of that experience and the very last moment of that stimulus of hanging over the edge. You could ruin it by making it absurdly long, but there's a pretty wide range where as long as it's not absurdly long, it'll be super fucking intense. Um, And it doesn't, when you remember it after the fact, it won't matter if it was 10 seconds or 30 seconds. Um, You'll probably rate it very similarly because you will only really remember the last second or two and the way it felt at its most intense. So I don't really think it is a heap problem because there's such a wide range where it would be, where it would work.
1: Does that make sense? I think I can buy that. I So the, the, what I'm saying is the heap is I don't know where that point of absurdity is where you have to wait so long that it just ruins the experience. That was yeah. the heap I was referring to. Yeah. But I can buy the, yeah, within a reasonable range so, so wait, so on Christmas morning, should we not tell the kids when they're going to open their gifts? Say so at some well, point at the morning, you're going to get gifts.
0: Kind of. Like when Christmas morning for me, it was always like I would wake up usually because I'm very excited before my parents. And I know that they're going to wake up at some point and then I can open gifts. Um, now, if it got to the point where like they were still upstairs asleep, like at like 4 or 5 p.m., like I would just get it. No longer is this so exciting. I'm getting bored. Similarly, Ben, like, with your your scavenger hunt Disney World example, if the scavenger hunt was taking, like, eight hours, I think you would have gotten bored of the scavenger. Um, but because it was relatively short, you I mean, like, that was... A scavenger hunt built the expectation of the ultimate the culmination of the hunt and what you'll find at the end. And so, like, that, that was in part why... It, it's a puzzle, so that's fun. But also, like, having to work through the puzzle builds kind of the anticipation of... Out of what you'll get at the end.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa! Did we just conclude that doing too much of anything, even something good, might be bad? <laughs> uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. We sort of went on a tangent because I introduced variable time. Going back to what makes a good gift. Is it really just about surprise plus knowing someone is thinking about you?
0: Kind of, Um, but I could, I could be surprised to receive something and I could, but it could be like, still be a bad gift. Um, Like if it just showed that like someone it's not something I'd ever know or use, Um, because like, like someone could be thinking of me and then surprise me with the gift of, oh man, I don't know, like, uh, like a parachute and like. Like, oh, cool. Like, I'm never going to use a parachute. though like That's still a bad gift. um Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, All right.
1: Yeah. Let me throw an example here because it is relevant to someone in this conversation. So one of, I don't know if I would call it the best, but certainly one of the most memorable gifts I've got, I think I would call it the one of the better ones, was Logan Comer giving me a copy of Mere Christianity on my birthday, <laughs> which is funny for our podcast audience because i've been an atheist pretty much my whole life so why why was that a good gift and i think it's fair to say it was a good gift why was that a in g- part
0: because he appreciated that it would be funny to give it a like at an open atheist a book about christianity <laughs> um or
2: um, also in part because it was a book that i liked and still like and uh i think we had talked about it a fair amount so i i thought that like uh because i used to quote i still quote c.s lewis a lot but i used to quote him all the time and uh i uh i think that may have generated some interest plus man dude that was quite the effort because if you might remember it was snowing that day and school was canceled so when i wanted to just give it to you in like miss alexander's class instead also it was wrapped in comics which is always the best gift wrap uh it was just wrapped in like sunday comics um so I had to drive out to Ben's neighborhood, which was all the way across town. And um, in route, this was before I had like a GPS phone. So I had like look up directions beforehand. And in route, I got, I took a wrong turn. And uh, the snow was just enough where I uh, I took a wrong turn on like some flat road that was just below like a small hill. And I, I turned around, I drove back up the small hill. And I almost made it to the top before my car starts sliding backwards and then slid all the way back down to the bottom of the hill, which is a little nerve wracking. And then I was like, what am I going to do now? Because now I'm apparently trapped between this hill on this side and the other hill on the other side of this little flat low ground. And I was like, okay, I'll just go faster. And so then I just went, I just did like 45 miles an hour and Ben's day rode up, just crested this hill, to go back down, finally righted my turn uh, or found where I went wrong. Made it to Ben's house, and Ben wasn't home. It was Margot who answered the door. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think all the effort that went into that gift, Ben, was manifest in uh, when you actually got it. Yeah.
0: Were you aware of all the effort on receiving the gift, though? And if not, does that impact the quality of the gift?
1: So I'm sure I at least was able to reason because there was snow on the ground that loaded went through a lot to to get it to me, but no, I did not know all of these details. <laughs> and it does make it a better gift. Okay, so effort clearly apart. What what do we think about gag gifts? Because I think if Logan had just given me like a copy of the Bible but made for like teenage girls or something absurd, I think it would have been an equally as memorable, nay dare I say good gift, but it, it certainly wouldn't have been usable at all to me. So why why are gag gifts thoughtful gag gifts good
0: Is there still, still Yeah in order for it to be a, a good and thoughtful gag gift it also demonstrates a both both a a degree of effort um like someone's put some degree of thought into this and also like a knowledge of the person like a familiarity with the person to know them well enough to know what kind of a gag will land Hmm. So just like with a good gift, you have to know the person well enough to know what kind of a gift will be genuinely appreciated um, and useful. For it to be a good gag, you have to know what kind of a gift will be, if not useful, that the, the bit will still land. So there's so it seems like maybe we can say like there's a degree of a surprise, effort, and evidence to knowledge of, of the of the recipients in, involved
1: into a good how are the, how are the first and, and last things different
0: surprise or, oh, oh wait what efforts and the knowledge
1: or the yeah. effort? sorry but maybe I just misheard you you said effort oh, I think, I knowledge.
0: effort um, like like Logan had to go through a lot to get that book to you um, and that impacts the quality of you. even so whereas like the, the knowing you um, it was how he was able to and cocked a good bit, a good gag, um, that would have landed even if he was, had been able to give it to you at school without any great effort. But the great effort made for a better story and made for a better gifts. And then also the surprise of it—you weren't necessarily expecting that gift. Um, and even if you were expecting gifts, you didn't know what it was going to be. To that extent, you know, there there was a degree of 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 a surprise. Here. Yeah. I think those those three things seem to be four elements we good gift.
2: So to take this in a different slightly different direction, I had an instructor tell me once that there are like three categories, three things that make a good gift a good gift. And uh, the first is that it's really nice. That's just uh like if you if you just get someone a really nice gift that you know that they won, it will be a good gift. The second is something that um, the the receiver does not already know they want, um, but really likes. Um, so I guess if, uh, and then the third is something that communicates something about your relationship to the receiver, between the gift giver and the receiver. Um, so like the first category is like my grandparents gave Annalise and I this like, fantastic espresso machine it was like it was like 800 bucks crazy expensive something i never would have bought for ourselves um not because we didn't know we didn't like it or not because we didn't know we would like it but because it was just a really expensive gift so that category one category e or two whatever uh where it's something i didn't know i or didn't know that i wanted um one of the best gifts i've ever gotten was from McKinsey, who i would like to revisit this with at some point because i think she's actually one of the best gift givers i know but uh it was like four or five years ago and she gave me um these ink dip pens uh which i at the when i first got it i was like this is just way too pretentious there's no way i'd ever use them but i actually found that they were super fun for writing letters um and really really enjoyed them so that like falls into that second category of something that i did not know that I would even like until I had it and turned out I really liked. Um, And then, and which I also think where the surprise comes in partly, because like the very top, I think that's like the very top tier gift is like, if you couldn't have, even with all the money in the world, if you couldn't give yourself a better gift, that's like a really, really great gift. I think that's part of that. And the third one is like sentimental stuff and I don't know, this this is like giving, like, a pen to a professor or some crap like that, or, like, um maybe not, like, top-tier gifts, but, like, I generally think of these, like, in, like, professional-ish settings or, like, more restrained settings, like something that, like, uh, you know, or... or, or uh, Here's actually a good one, is, um... My French host family gave me uh, a night flight in French, Vol de Nuit, um... Cause they had heard me talking about it as like one of my instructors, uh, favorite books on like leadership, uh, were involving leadership. And it was originally written in French. It was about the, by the same day I wrote the little Prince*. And my, uh, host family gave that to me as like, you know, cause I learned French while I was there and they put up with my terrible learning capacities and stuff. So that says something meaningful about the relationship and that gift itself. And that made it a lot better than just like a cheap paperback book. Um, and I honestly really buy that framework. I had not... the We've talked about the uh, uh, surprise and anticipation more than I thought we would. Uh, and I didn't realize quite how important those were. But, like, honestly, that seems like a decent working framework for good gift-giving in general. I don't know. And it seems like our surprise and anticipation maps on to, like, Category 2 specifically of... Uh, gifts you really weren't expecting or didn't know you wanted. Yeah.
0: Um, I think so. Um, yeah. But even with the example, like for instance, like the the espresso machine, like that was on your wedding registry. Um, so you, uh, you had asked for like a specific thing, but also there was a whole list of things. Like you knew your grandparents were going to get you a gift and you knew it was going to be something off of the registry. You didn't necessarily know what it was going to be.
2: Well, That's true. It did make it a lot better.
0: Yeah. So there was still some degree of surprise there. Well,
2: yeah. I think surprise is more important than I had originally given it
0: credit. Yeah. And I think that your gift of mere Christianity to Ben would fall in that third category. Of a gift that, that is related to that relationship between people. Because the two of us, yeah. Yeah, because you—you you, I mean there's like—I mean, obviously, we do this philosophy club, so there's a degree of like intellectualism in, baked into our friendship, and um, and knowing that Ben is an atheist is part of what makes that gift good and kind of a good bit, um, and also Ben, but also simultaneously, you know that Ben is aware that that's a book that you genuinely get a lot out of, um, so there's a lot baked into the the understanding of the giving of that gift. It does include a lot of understanding of the relationship
1: there. Yeah, cuz I I think if someone who was also non-religious had given me that gift purely as a gag, it still would have I would have appreciated it, but not as much as the fact that it both serves as a gag and something that is meaningful to Logan and relationship.
2: Yeah, you read yeah, it. I, read, probably, I thought you, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. They unfortunately did not convert me. Sorry about that, Logan. <laughs> but I was a good read. You got some good points.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I like that three part. um three, maybe three categories of gifts. And I think I'm also liking our framework of these other elements that within gifts that fall into those various categories that might impact the quality of a gift.
2: Yeah, surprise, mm-hmm. effort, thought, and knowing. Yeah.
0: The, I think the
2: most interesting takeaway I've gotten from this one is that you could automatically make a gift better merely by increasing the anticipation. Yeah. Um, which takes no or very little, like, thought or effort. But if you're like, oh, you yeah, know, 10 days from now, you're getting a gift, it'll be, yeah. Uh, and then, like, you're like, five days from now, you're definitely getting a gift. That on the other hand, though, you have to actually have, like, a decent-ish gift, so it's not a complete letdown. But as long as it's got some minimal qualities, you could make any gift-giving experience a little
0: better just by, like, hyping up the anticipation a little. I agree, actually, because even if I, like, if I'm on a bed, I put something in the mail for you, like, you'll be, you'll be kind of looking for it every time you check your mail the next yeah. week or whatever. Yeah.
1: Wait, but that's, that's kind of evidence of a variable time frame. Well, like still every day. range. Like, okay. if, if, it,
0: if it hasn't arrived within, like, a week, be like, did you put that thing in the mail? Like, I know you said something. Did it get lost? Like, you'll, or if I'm like, oh, sometime in the next year, Ben, I'm mailing you this thing. Like, that would be much less exciting for you. But if I'm like, hey, it's in the mail, you know it's going to come within a reasonable number of days. So, yeah. Okay, every yeah. time you go to check the mailbox in that reasonable frame
1: will be exciting to some extent. All right. Why does the the psychology of a slot machine not transfer over here? So why if, is me saying in 10 days, you might get a gift. Why does that not fly at all? But that works really well, again, in scenarios like a slot machine where the the, the reward is uncertain. And human beings, notably, are drawn to scenarios where the reward is uncertain.
2: So now I think it's time for a quad chart, where in one one situation, we've got a certain reward and uncertain time. Another, we've got certain reward and certain time. And another, we've got certain time and uncertain reward. So a slot machine is a certain time. Every time you pull it, It's only like a few set seconds until you get a response, which is an uncertain reward. Um, The other end of the spectrum is a certain time and a certain reward or a certain thing, at least, which is like gifts on Christmas morning or death in the case of being a character in a Dostoevsky novel. Um, And that allows you to build for a a much greater anticipation, I think. Um, cause the other one, like the time is certain, but the reward is uncertain, but if you have uncertain time and uncertain reward, that's just living your normal daily life.
1: Yeah. There's okay, nothing to
2: that. I don't know. All
1: right. So if I'm like in a relationship with someone.
2: <laughs> that's the least cert- uncertain time and certain reward. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that, but uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that's the thing is like it's the reward uh, yeah i guess either way time being certain adds to the anticipation for both a slot machine where the reward
0: is uncertain or for christmas morning where the reward is certain i think there's actually a different element of a gift that is what really distinguishes the slot machine uh, uh-huh. from a yeah. gift and that's that the slot machine um is a game of chance. A gift is an intention. There's there's intention behind a gift that's not present for the slot machine. A big part of a gift is knowing that it is coming from a person who is isn't intent- yeah, yeah, for sure. But, but
2: Ben was saying, like, we tend to be more addicted to things that have a variable chance of happening. And he's wondering why variability of time doesn't add to the addictiveness. Whereas you and I both think pretty certainly that variability in time detracts from
1: the anticipation and makes it less cool. Well, I also want to say, like, now that I think about this out loud, it isn't super surprising. But, like, if every time I go on a date with, like, a romantic partner, I bring them a super special gift, or every random amount of time I go on a date with them, I bring a super special gift, I think you would just get used to the former, but the latter, there is still some slot machine-like variable anticipation to.
0: I see what you're saying yeah yeah you've actually removed the surprise first. you guess they just mm-hmm. know it's a good point a,
1: yeah okay yeah so because yeah. there's no surprise in that scenario that it fails
0: yeah like it, if, if every time you show up to the door with flowers then then they just come to expect that um so it's much the flowers seem much less special um' whereas like if if you just okay every once in a blue moon stop by and pick up flowers on the way
1: that's a fun surprise and a great gift. So it's again, it's because there's an element of surprise. It seems like surprise keeps coming up.
0: Yeah, it seems to a much bigger than I would have thought just jumping into this. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point.
2: Well, I guess surprise is almost the difference between a gift and a transaction.
1: Whoa. I think I agree with that and that sounds really deep. So, a known gift is just a transaction. I guess so. Or yeah. it feels more like. Okay, so going back to the example we gave earlier, if I basically decide in advance what I'm getting someone for Christmas with that person, now we're just transacting on Christmas Day. There's no yeah. longer an exchange of gifts. Yeah, I think that's. I think it, I could buy that. I, yeah. Okay, but as long as there's... So I give someone two options of gifts they can give me and they give me two options of gifts I could get them. Even now that we've just gone from certainty to partial uncertainty, it becomes a gift again?
2: You know, I still think that might work. Like Mike said, like if you give a list and you only get some things off that list, that's still enough to have some kind of anticipation.
0: Yeah. I agree I take... Yeah, I, I don't know if it... I don't know if I would go so far as to say it, it makes it a transaction to know for certain exactly what's coming when uh, like it's still maybe because there's always the underlying certainty that it, since it's a totally voluntary gift that uh, like could go away. Um, so yeah. So, but it, but it does make it a uh, yeah. But even having there be yeah, to going from, from like one certain option to an option of two, I think does. Yeah. Make it, make it a much more interesting gift at the very least. Um, And there, I guess therefore better.
1: Okay. Would it be fair to say, that surprise is a necessary condition for a gift and very nearly a sufficient one. It sounds like if you have the proper element of surprise, you can get away with a lot in terms of the actual quality of the gift.
0: Um, well, again, if you gift me, um, a like pair, like a, I don't know, a hang gliding helmet, I'm never going to use it. It's, I guess it's still a gift, but like, it's a bad gift. Um, so just it, it being a surprise does not, is not, I don't think, sufficient for a good gift. I think it, it can the degree of surprise can likely amplify the quality of a good gift um, and make it a much better gift, or at least make the experience of receiving it much better. Um, but I don't think that alone can make for
1: a good gift, something happening by Sprite. But are we saying it is a necessary condition in almost all cases?
2: Okay, so I've got one counterexample. Um, I, there are still some things that I would rather not buy for myself that I would love to receive as a gift. So the most recent example of this is I wanted a keyboard so that I could learn to play on the keyboard. Um, right. and for some reason I was totally unwilling to buy this for myself, but I asked Annalise for, it for a birthday gift. And then she did give me that as a gift. And there was very little to no surprise when she gave me a keyboard, but I still think it satisfied the conditions of a gift. If only because it was still like a type two category thing where I like, I wouldn't have bought it for myself. I don't know. All
1: right. So then are we saying that the framework that Logan introduced is what defines a good gift and then surprise only amplifies or are we just saying that these are like multiple different characteristics that you need to have a certain combination of for a gift to be good
0: i like that better um uh, yeah that like yeah, yeah that like maybe one or one or so, like maybe none of these qualities are totally necessary i mean probably some of them um surprise may not be totally necessary uh, um but if Logan had given Annalise a list of like five things, like a keyboard, big, all of which he would never buy himself. Like if it was like, I don't know, like, like a keyboard and a Yeah, that would have been an electric bass. Um, then like the keyboard is more of a fun surprise. And so that, that amplifies the
1: Well, Well, um, the keyboard it?
0: does still sound like a good gift. Um, even without, like, even if, if Logan was, I guess, again, kind of like the, the bringing flowers to the door every single date. Like it's still a nice thing because in theory, Annalise could have gotten something else. She could have gotten something he didn't ask for at all. Um, or 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 you know, or got him not like at all. Um so because there's still that wiggle room, even if it's extremely unlikely, it still is like so maybe some degree of surprise is necessary. There must at least be the option to get either nothing or something totally different. Um yeah. or else, yeah, it probably is a trans. Um but as long as there's at least that sort of like nominal possibility than even a, a, a real like a, a practically speaking lack of surprise you can still get a gift uh just being the addition of surprise
1: makes it a better gift yeah i think i can buy that
0: yeah we may have reached consensus on what what makes for a good gift then Yeah, I think so. The raw
2: built, putting it into practice. Right. <laughs> well,
1: that's not what philosophy is about.
0: <laughs> um, well, I mean, I, I will certainly be moving forward, making sure I only ever give people a list of options and never ask for anything exactly specific um, for my own selfish reason, at very least. Uh, and then... Even if I was considering it before, I'm definitely not showing it every single day with flowers now. Uh has gone
2: <laughs> And I do think I'll hype up the anticipation anytime I'm giving someone a gift from now on.
0: Yeah, yeah. I definitely think like, yeah, like if I'm like, hey, I'm coming to Red Oak next week and I've got something for you. That will definitely, if I have something, I'm not going to be like, oh, hey, by the way, here's this thing I've got for you. Um, it's going to be like, hey, when I see you next time, I've got something for you. So you'll know next time when I see you. There's a thing I'm going to be getting don't know what it is. Wow. Yeah, this is a weirdly practical subject. I've learned so much.
1: Okay, but we've also determined that you shouldn't say that I maybe have something for you when I see you in run-up next week. But at least when it comes to gifts, there has to be a certainty that you will get something.
0: Yeah, and this specific time.
1: Hell, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, like I shouldn't like it would be weird for you, like, hey Ben, I'm rolling a set of dice if it's an even number, which I'm not gonna tell you, but if it's an even number, I'm bringing you something. Um if it's an odd number, I'll have nothing. <laughs> uh, like that seems yeah, that does not seem bad. Uh <laughs> all right,
1: good. All right,
0: well, I think this makes me a better gift giver now. That's that's terrific. Well done, uh, everybody. We did it. <laughs> uh okay well great um good talk guys uh if anybody's listening to this still you'll give good gifts cool catch you later Peace. with another philosophy club in the books we want to give a huge thanks to our charming and talented friend sam for all his help editing and producing this episode and thanks to you too for joining us we hope you'll come philosophize with us again next time Thank <laughs> you.